0: Christmas is a season of happiness. Amen? Amen. Advent is a season of mourning. Almost 30 years I've been a Christian, and I've been listening to and singing Christmas hymns for 48 now. It really didn't dawn on me until just a few weeks ago. This isn't the Christmas season. This is the Advent season. Now, I really don't understand why, because I've known the words to the 12 days of Christmas since before I was 10. I should have realized, okay, well, 12 days of Christmas, but I never put it together. The Christmas season begins on December 25th and goes for 12 days till January 6th, which is the birthday of my wife's best friend growing up, and is also the day of Epiphany. Epiphany. That's right. But Advent as a season begins four Sundays before Christmas Day. Now, that may strike us as odd, but it really isn't. Because in this sin-sick world, grief must come before joy. Let me say that again. In this sin-sick world, grief must come before joy. In light of this, I want to preach the final Advent Sunday of 2019, a not Christmas carol. It's an Advent carol, an Advent hymn. And in one sense, it's really not a joyous song at all. We sing it on a minor key and we plod along through it and we realize wow, without Emmanuel, this is a depressing world as it is. But, Gode, Gode, Latin for rejoice, rejoice. We do have joy. As we sing this song, we can rejoice because He has come and He is coming. Amen? Amen. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And it is this prayer Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. That we sing with generations, with a choir that has gone back for thousands of years. And we join Jesus' best friend John as he concluded the Bible. Surely I am coming soon. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. These are the very last words in the Bible. But John was not the last person to pray this. Oh no, not by a long shot. We don't know who wrote one of our most beloved hymns, but we just sang it. Oh come, oh come, come, Emmanuel, God with us. Come and ransom captive Israel who mourns in lonely exile here. Until, until, until the Son of God appears. I want to break this song down and give the biblical backing to these powerful lyrics. We begin with "O oh come, O oh come, Emmanuel." I just read the verse: "Come, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus," says the man on the island in the middle of the Mediterranean. And then he concludes with the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. But it's important, if we're going to sing this song, that we understand what it means. And the key word, the first word that we struggle with is Emmanuel. Now, as a side note, it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. You know how Pastor Benji gets his panties in a bunch about Yahweh and Jehovah? Well, I don't like seeing Emmanuel spelled with an E. It's the Greek way of spelling it. The Hebrew way of spelling it has an I and two M's. Okay, enough of that. But as Isaiah wrote, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah marched into Ahab's throne room, And he was reprimanding Ahab. He deserved it multiple times, but this was one of those times. And so Isaiah challenged the king and said, Okay, listen, you want proof that God is here. Ask me for a sign and I'll give it to you. Ahab decided, Oh no, I'm I'm too good for that. I won't ask God for a sign. Isaiah saw right through his heart. And he said, "Uh Uh-uh. I'm going to give you a sign. And evidently, there was a young unmarried woman in that room. She was working. She was doing something. And Isaiah said, that woman, who was at the moment a virgin... That woman is going to have a child, and before she weans that child, who she's going to call Emmanuel wasn't an uncommon name, that woman's going to have a child, and before that child's weaned, the two kings that you're afraid of are going to be gone. That's the sign. Now, the woman had a, got married, had a child, weaned the child. The two kings uh, were gone. Pika and resin, if you're curious about Bible trivia. But Matthew, several hundred years later, looks back at this prophecy and he realizes this part of the prophecy was just the first part. There's a bigger fulfillment of this prophecy. And in this case, in Matthew one twenty three, he quotes Isaiah 7.14. He says, Behold, look, pay attention. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this son, the one we know of as Jesus, this son will not deal with the two tyrants of Ahab's day. He will deal with the people of God who are held captive to our sins. Which is exactly what it says here. O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here. Do you ever mourn? Do you ever mourn because of your sin? Paul described it. Romans chapter 6 verse 20-22 For when you were slaves of sin you were free in regard to righteousness but what fruit were you getting at that time from the things which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God the fruit you get leads to sanctification and it's end, eternal life. He plucks us out of the captivity to our sin. Jesus brings us out of the captivity to our sin. The sin that causes us to mourn. Sin causes us to mourn because of the death it brings about. Sin causes us to mourn because of the painful marks it leaves on us physically and spiritually. Sin causes us to mourn because of the shame it causes us when we continue to sin, even though we hate it with all of our sanctified hearts. Anybody with me? God's people have been here for 3,500 years at least. We need Emmanuel to set us free. God's people, we mourn in lonely exile. We are not home yet. We are not home yet. Ask yourself a question. Do you mourn? Perhaps a better question. Why do you mourn? You don't get your way. You don't have the stuff, the circumstances, or the relationship you want. If that's why you mourn, you won't be particularly anxious for the Son of God to appear. If the reason you mourn is because you don't have the stuff, circumstances, or relationships that you want... Then you are not going to be particularly anxious for Jesus to come back. You're going to be anxious and you're going to get upset because you don't have your stuff. And Christmas becomes a time for you either to go, woohoo, I got my new stuff, or to cry because you didn't get your new stuff. But it's not about Jesus, it's about old St. Nick. Think, why do I mourn? And then ask Jesus to help you mourn rightly. We mourn, according to the hymnist, until the Son of God appears. Now I think the best Advent verse of the ten very best Advent verses there are the best Advent verses Hebrews nine, twenty seven, twenty eight. Just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many. Remember what we said, the manger means nothing if it's not for the cross. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Amen. Amen. (laughs) Come on, people, you're asleep. This is an amen verse. He will save us. Praise Jesus. And we, his children, can say, even so, Lord Jesus, come. And so we sing, rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. You, God's people, are going to have Emmanuel come. He is coming. He will be here. He is promised. So sing. Sing with all your heart. Sing glory to God in the highest and praise Jesus. And pray, even so, come, Lord Jesus. I want to give an example of when this exact thing happened. Luke 2, 10 to 11, 10 to 12. The angel said to the shepherds, Don't be afraid. For pay attention. Look, I bring you good news. And this good news is going to cause great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And one day, Lord willing, very soon, that passage will be followed up by the one written by Paul. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with this cry of command, with the voice of the archangel, with the sound of the trumpet of God he is going out of his way to say this is going to be loud, it's going to be in your face, and everybody on the planet is going to know it. And what will happen when this noise happens? The dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them into the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Be encouraged. Amen. Listen, this is good news. Church, I'm speaking to us. This is good news. This is news good enough to get you through the Christmas where you don't get everything you want. This is good enough news to get you through the job that you don't like. This is good news enough to get you through the frustrations of all the relationships that have gone bad in your life. This is good news. And since we're singing a hymn, this is the the hymn that went through my mind. See if you know it. Ye fearful saints, fresh courage take. The clouds ye so much dread are big with mercy and shall break with blessings on your head. It's dark. I don't deny it. I've seen enough darkness in my own life. And I've seen enough darkness in many of your lives. Clouds are dark, but they're going to break. And when they do, it's going to pour down rain of God's blessings on your head. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The hymnist continues. Oh, come now, Dayspring, come and cheer. You remember the story of John the Baptist? Zechariah is in the temple, and he's in there. He doubts what the angel says. So the angel says, fine, dude, you ain't going to talk for nine months. Well, his kid is born, and he finally gets to talk. And this is what Zechariah says. Luke 1, 76. And you, child, speaking to John the Baptist, if you're Presbyterian, you can call him John the Baptizer if you want. You child will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of salvation to His people in the forgiveness of their sins. Because, why? Because of the tender mercy of God, whereby the sunrise, Jesus is called the sunrise, or the old. King James Version says, The day spring shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The point here is that Jesus' coming cheers us because he gives us the light. And we're no longer alone in the darkness of our sin, in the darkness of our depression in the darkness of our captivity right here on earth. And so he says, Dayspring, come and cheer our spirits by thine advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadows put to flight. Oh, the Bible is very brutally honest. The Bible is brutally honest. God knows we are in darkness. And that's why Isaiah also prophesied in chapter 9, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them a light has shone. Let's just cut to the chase here. Why are people gloomy? Why? Why? Why gloomy? Well, there's several reasons. We're gloomy when we're ill. Just ask my wife about me. We're gloomy when death threatens our relationships. We're gloomy when we're injured, when we're hurt. We're gloomy when life just gets too much for us. For crying out loud, we get gloomy because our body chemistry isn't right. Anybody identify with any of those? In other words, we are gloomy because of sin. My sin, your sin, the sin of the people around us, the sin that is just endemic in the world about us. And Jesus came to cheer our spirits because he put skin on. He came and tabernacled among us. Jesus came to cheer us because the death that glooms our life is being undone for those who trust his promises. But we... We don't want that. We don't listen to that. Where else can we find real cheer? Can we find it in a bottle? Can we find real cheer in a video game on our favorite device and an illicit relationship, either real or imagined? Or is the only place where you're going to find real cheer the happiness that only comes through holiness? Through being like the dayspring, living in his light as opposed to our darkness. Oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. And he is our wisdom. Oh, come, our wisdom from on high. Paul touches on this. He says that Jesus is our wisdom from God. The old saying that begins How do you become wise? Well, the answer is you make good decisions. Well, how do you make good decisions? bad decisions <laughs> Anybody with me on that OJT works every time right This is true but there is another way to find wisdom You're going to think I'm being you know self-serving here Turn your attention to Jesus Go to Jesus yourself Don't rely on what other people say about him. Go read the Gospels. Meet him there. See what he does, what he says, who he loves, who he reprimands. Meet Jesus. Because he is our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Devote yourself to the study of the life of Jesus and you will become wise. Why? First of all, because he makes good decisions. But secondly, and perhaps more to the point as far as you and I are concerned, because God the Spirit works through his word to teach us wisdom. And this is why here at Grace, we sing His Word, we pray His Word, we read His Word, we preach His Word. Jesus is our wisdom, so turn to Him in His Word. Christianity is not complex, folks. Pretty simple. Not easy. Oh, come our wisdom from on high, who ordered all things far and nigh. I like that little juxtaposition there because what he's saying is it the wisdom of God who created the universe. Listen to how Jeremiah says this exact thing. It is he who made the earth by his power. So power. Who established the world by his wisdom and by his understanding he stretched the heavens. You and I need to be reminded about the fact that God was wise when he created the universe as it is you and I need to be reminded of the fact that nothing was ever done accidentally to God. From the greatest galaxy to the smallest subatomic particle, God is creator and he is the one who orders all things. And for that reason, among others, he is able to be to us the path of knowledge and to teach us in her ways to go. One thing that I I do try to make a repeated idea in my sermons, and Pastor Benji does this every week as well, we want to communicate the reality, the truth, that just an academic knowledge of the Bible is not enough. The Bible doesn't call us to just an academic knowledge of God. We don't just need to know Bible trivia. The Bible has not been taught. You have not studied the Bible if you have not taken from it something that God wants to use to change you. Change how you think. Change how you believe. Change how you act. God's Word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. You will not be given a true or false quiz at the gates of heaven. Instead, you'll be asked, what did you do with the knowledge you had? Now, you know me well enough here to know that I believe the content of the good news to be very important, and we must have that content. I do preach, after all. But wisdom is always knowledge applied. Wisdom is a right living given by the reality, in regards to the reality of the world in which we really live. And this world is our Father's world, and therefore we turn to Him for wisdom. Just as He says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways, in everything that you do, in in all of your attitudes and actions, acknowledge Him, make Him first in your thoughts, and what will He do? He will make straight your paths. Trust Him. Trust Emmanuel. Trust God with us. Trust that you are in Christ, the best place in the universe to be. And how do we go about doing this? Okay, are you ready? You're about to be stunned. You're about to be shocked by what I'm about to say. How do we go about getting this wisdom to live? It's really complicated. Be ready. Oh yeah, let's see. Pray, read your Bible, fellowship, and take part in service outreach. Wait a minute, isn't that the same stuff you've been teaching and everybody else has been teaching for the last lifetime? Yep, exactly right. This isn't new to you. This isn't new. But we do these steps because he enables us to. And we pray, oh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Last verse, verse 4. Oh, come desire of nations. What? Wait a minute. That, that doesn't sound right. Come desire of nations? Is that what's going on in Washington right now? Is that what's going on in Berlin and London and Paris right now? Listen to what Haggai says. I will shake All nations, and then the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill his house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The Israelites to whom Haggai was speaking at this very moment were dejected, they were discouraged, they were frustrated. Their thoughts about how things ought to go among God's people were not as they wished. Sound familiar to anyone? Oh, why? I have an idea. We should trust our president to make everything right. Oh, no, 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 no. We should trust our Congress to make everything right. We We should trust in our state governments. We should trust in our store of food. We should trust in our guns. We should trust in what? God's people in Haggai's day, prayed the same prayer as God's people do today. Oh, Lord, when will you bless us? So, what was God's message through his prophet Haggai? Work, he says, do the work you know to do. And then, trust. Trust me. Trust me. Why? Because I'm coming. Jesus is coming again. You can trust that. You are not dependent upon any political party. You are not dependent upon any ideology. You are not dependent upon your good looks. Never mind. I won't make a comment on that. We are dependent upon Jesus. And that's a good thing. Now obviously this verse in Haggai pointed to this first advent, his first coming, but the same God is God today and he has promised to return. The desire of the nations. What is that talking about? He's talking about those who are longing for this to be done. Come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. And just as a side note, the church is exploding in many areas of the world right now as we speak. Right now, the church is imploding in the United States. But don't let that fool you. God is at work. And guess what? He just may be making it dark so that we can shine the lighter. I, I'm such a fool. I'm such, a, such an idiot. I was talking to someone earlier, actually not this week, the week before that. And he reminded me of something that I need to remember. His comment was, we live in interesting times. Now, when I start dwelling on it, I tend to get depressed. Oh my goodness, our president. Oh my goodness, our Congress. Oh my goodness, this law. Oh my goodness, that law. Anybody with me on that? Does anybody here know what I'm talking about? But that's not the way to look at it. We are Christians. We believe in the King of Kings and the President of Presidents. These times in which we live are interesting. They're not boring. God is on the move. Aslan is on the move. So join him. Join him. Join him and trust him, knowing he is on the move and you are with him. That's a reason to say amen. Oh, come, desire of nations bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrel cease. Find all, fill all the worlds with heaven's peace. It hasn't happened. It hasn't happened. But what has happened is what we're going to sing about in a moment. This little dusty town to a bunch of dirty shepherds sitting on top of a hill. In the middle of the night. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. This, again, is the great wish of the godly. This, again, is the promise. Hasn't come true yet. We are not seeing it yet. Yet. That is why we pray, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, God with us. And we join with his best friend, John, and say, come quickly, Lord Jesus.